Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Sweetman, and we're up to episode 106, where I had a chat with Andrew Fagan, uh, known, of course, as the lead singer and songwriter of the frontman of The Mockers, who have recently reformed for a bit of a reunion jaunt. They've released a live CD DVD, which is very good, so they did a few more shows on the back of that. Uh, we talk about the history of the Mockers and his and his history. I don't, I don't know that the band are going to get back together and make new music, but Andrew Fagan is making new music. He's had um, a f- few solo albums and various projects over the years, and um, he has a band called Fagan and the People, and they're about to hit the studio and make a new album. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about his his poetry and writing. Um, he's going to be the opening act for John Cooper Clark in a, in a month or so. And, uh, and we, yeah, we have a really interesting chat about his life. Obviously, one of the big um, things in his life is sailing. He's uh, he's working now on a boat, um, but uh, sailing has been a passion of his since he was a teenager. So I get a bit of the story about that too. Um, I really enjoyed talking to him. I've met Andrew a couple of times over the years, and I've had a few conversations with him on the on the phone, and he's a great person to, to chat to. Um, this one, there is a bit of background noise, I'll warn you. We... Uh, we uh, nabbed about an hour in a hotel lobby before they played the other week in Wellington and it was a fun and spirited chat but you will hear a bit of background noise if you pass a by comments and um, a bit of clanging and crashing and coffee making and we sort of pause the conversation here and there so that it doesn't interrupt too much. It does get better as, as it goes along. I wouldn't I wouldn't have put this out in the world if I thought it was terrible and, and ruined by the background noise but um, yeah. As with a couple of the other podcasts, like uh, the end of the Jan Hellriegel one and the Anika Moa one, come to mind. There's a bit of bit of street noise and and stuff going on. Um, but yeah, my thanks to Andrew for for fitting me in before his sound check, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. I hope you enjoy listening to this. This is a Sweetman podcast. Uh, I'll remind you there is a um, a press patron if you want to donate um, to to sort of help fund and keep the podcast alive. You can do that. There'll be a link to that. Uh, you can rate the podcast on iTunes, uh, all of that sort of stuff. But really, if you're here already and listening to it, I appreciate you uh, doing that. Um, my thanks, of course, to Tea Leaf Tea, Lippity Shocker, and Yeasty Boys. This is me talking with Andrew Fagan. We might as well start with, with the fact that you've got a brand new live CD and DVD out. And I, I don't imagine, <laughs> and, the, and the, a mocker's reunion is no longer a one-off. <laughs> you've done a full tour and here you are doing some more shows and uh, you probably didn't for quite a long time expect that to be something that was going to happen in your life. Oh, that's unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's quite good sound effects, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, uh, so particularly, particularly given what we're talking about. <laughs> I guess the Mockers reunion, yeah, absolutely not. It was just like, you know, we'd all gone our separate ways and... Mm. It was just left in the distant, you know, dark annals mm, of history, really. Is something you didn't talk about one way or another? No, basically. not really, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've always been more interested in my new shit. Yeah. It's always been that way, yeah. and it always will be, you know. A, yeah. a new song is always more more important to you than, yeah. than something that's sort of been printed and, and dispatched into yeah. the cosmos, so, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, going back was just never really a constructive mindset. And I guess the same, I mean, you can only answer for yourself, but kind of the same for the other guys, really, too. They've all got different stuff yeah, going, think, you know. Brit's obviously got several bands and yeah, musicians. Yeah, and, and, and his big one's The Bads. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, The Bads is a big one for, for yeah, Brit, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. his creative outlet, you know, yeah, personally. Yeah, an established, as, yeah. um, you know, thing with several albums. And, yeah, yeah, and, and that's what, yeah. and that's, that's what, that's the songwriting mm. avenue, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got Fagan of the People, and that's where, that's, that's where I've, you know, I focus my shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, at the same time, you know, this has just sort of come out of the blue in, in a lot of respects, but really good, yeah. like actually really fun. Yeah. And it's great to be able to revisit the material and um, and do it, I actually believe better than, than yeah. we did it. Just the recordings, like with the, with the DVD, well the CD, DVD, whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, having Chris O'Connor play drums is great because it's 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 the way it should have been in the first yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. And like really, like we were, I was always into bands like the Jam and a lot of those sixties, late sixties yeah, yeah. bands, and they yeah. were real band recordings. You yeah, know, yeah. it was everyone playing at the same time, yeah. and you had sort of spillage from cymbals, and you had all those sort of sounds. And we got caught up 
in, in that classic early 80s, mid 80s production yeah. where everything was, you know, turning into drum machines and yeah. and too much AMS, which was a digital uh, delay that they were that producers yeah. were putting on everything. We were the classic situation where the bands caught. Um, between with a record company and producers mm. and other people financing a project who are, who believe that the producers are going to be the best thing because they'll make they'll bring you something that's going to be accessible yeah and, and at, the, at the end of the day you come out of it and you think well really you know we you, we couldn't argue with it because of the um, the amount of money that was spent on it yeah yeah but having said that, we, we would like to have scrapped it and started again for yeah. a lot of those recordings. You know, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, no disrespect to the songs, but some of the, I guess, like a couple of the biggest hits, like Swear It's True and that, are the ones that actually feel stuck to that production and, you know, almost have a novelty type, you know, that you serve them up well and people love them and they're great songs. But I feel like some of the songs that were maybe lesser known or didn't achieve quite as much have had a whole lot of new life breathed into them, you know, they, they've, they've been reborn, you know. Yeah, I, I'd say that, that I, I forgot how many songs that we actually wrote. Yeah. You know, and when and because I sort of put it all away in some mm. weird corner of my mind, mm. when we went back to it and said, "Well, we've got this two-hour set," mm. it was like, "Oh, that song, yeah, no, I like that song," you know, mm. and things like "Take Back Your Tears," mm. were songs that sort of were just sort of also rans on an album that mm. just disappeared. Mm. They're actually, I can see why we bothered with them yeah. because they're actually good songs, yeah, yeah. and 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 lots of them like from the Madding Crowd, another boy down the Amazon, they kind of go, oh yeah, um, and Phone Call at Midnight yeah. is another one where you went, yeah, that was a good song, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it kind of just, it was never really highlighted because it was never a single, in yeah, those days, yeah. if it's not a single, it's just an album Buried track. on the album, yeah, 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 yeah. but they're actually strong songs, you know, yeah. and and doing them again is sort of giving them more, doing them justice, I guess. Mm, mm, mm. And, um, I mean, yeah, exactly. The Amazon song is a great example for me yeah. of, of something that really sticks out on that new. Yeah. On that well, new it was a single, but it was, yeah. it was, and a lot of, and that's the other thing that's really bizarre watching, you know, um, an audience. You know, when you're playing, is that how many songs they know? You know, and and I just thought really with this reunion tour, it would be like four songs. I thought there'd be maybe Switch True, Cleopatra, um, Friday, and Tuesday. You know, and I thought that would be it. And I thought, gee, you know, two hours. I mean, really, they're going to be twiddling their thumbs. You know, yeah, yeah. but they know they know yeah. because they that was a generation they bought albums, and, and people still do, I guess. Uh, but I just not really sort of in contact. Yeah, yeah. I guess, but but yeah, yeah. but. but they know all the words, you know, and like I sort of get stuff. I have to, I've had to relearn the words because yeah, yeah, yeah. people will pull me up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's really gratifying. So, yeah. like, wow, you know, how those songs soak through mm. over a long period of time to people really surprised me, you know. Well, we're in the, I guess, what's now the, the spiritual home of the Mockers, Wellington. It's the birthplace, but obviously the band moved on and then yeah. broke up, and now you're all in different places. Yeah. Um, so what what's it like being back here to play? Like I, you know, last year I hear the show here was fantastic, and obviously you're back for another one. Well, it's great. It's it's just, it's quite perverse to be honest. Like I went and saw my mother um, this afternoon, caught the yeah. Island Bay number one bus. Yeah. You know, I could have been picked up, but it was actually better to catch the bus in yeah. Newtown and Berenpore, and because yeah. that's you know that's my stomping ground. Yeah, right. This is where I grew up. You know, yeah, this yeah. is where I did my first twenty years. Yeah. So and it's and this is like you say, all the mockers. This is we we were we we were and, and to a degree still are mm -hmm. was you know mm -hmm. however what you want to frame it a Wellington band you know well you're going to have people tonight as you would have had previous times that that um, were actually at those first mockers gigs and uh, uh, still, yeah. still be some people in the fan base that come out that were at those very well, first well, gigs every we all talk I've met a lot of people went like the last resort was a big mm. big haunting you know, the rock theater just around the corner in Vivian yeah. Street the gates are still there you know yeah, but yeah, I yeah. guess the room's still there yeah, yeah. but redundant that was a wonderful venue you know yeah. that was for me that was like a first first venue I remember seeing the dudes there yeah. and, and my sex you know yeah, yeah. before they got big yeah. well they were already big in Australia but you know, um, that was a great venue, and Last Resort was one of. And then the I walked in the corner of the Cricketers Arms is now some sort of uh, Italian. Yeah, yeah. You know, same building, still there. Yeah, There's yeah. the steps we loaded all the gear in. Yeah. You know, the terminus is gone. Yeah. You know, but but um, you know, so it's it's a place that I'm sort of haunted by those mm. those sort of 
not just musical but actual kind of roadie memories because yeah, 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 there was yeah. so much there was so much physicality and yeah. loading in and yeah, loading yeah. out afterwards but that was something I enjoyed but you know definitely you know Wellington yeah. is, and it's and it's great playing murder and man street in yeah, Wellington of course. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah again quite perverse well we've got murder in a pony street or manslaughter in a pony street at the moment really yeah well that's ongoing investigation okay. but yeah. um, might be might be might be a new song for you <laughs> <laughs> oh no it shouldn't be <laughs> um, t- take me back then to I guess the formation of the band and, and your formative years with music leading up to that, right? You grew up in Wellington. What what was happening for you? It was a pretty exciting time or a very dull time that you needed to make exciting? I oh, know it was re- it was it was just more well, music was exciting, you know. Yeah. And so I was at Rongatai College and uh, we, they had a music room there. It was a, they had a new wing. The, 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 the college was being constantly rebuilt around mm. us, you know. Mm. So most of your education was done in prefabs mm. while they were building this, the, what's there now. But there was a new music room and, and kind of quite a liberal music teacher who let us um, practice. Uh, inverted commas, yeah. you know, experiment with with live instruments at lunchtime. So like I was just buried in there with with um, with Gareth Curtis and mm. Charlie Manel and and the Costello brothers um, who formed the nucleus of, of Amp- the Ambitious Vegetables. So mm. we we started off as a punk rock band doing that, mm. and it was so we you know I remember carrying Charlie used to live down on. Um, Lyle Bay Parade there, and I remember carrying his drum kit up in the morning to the walking it up yeah. over the back rugby fields and getting into the music room, and then you know it just sort of blossomed from there. Was we we grew up on um, uh, an affection for um, punk rock, not so much Gary, but um, me and Charlie, mm. and it was um, you know Stiff Little Fingers who are playing at San Francisco yeah. San Fran next week, you know yeah. Stiff Little Fingers, the Jam, you know obviously the Sex Pistols and the Clash and just the the core usual mm. suspects, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was just wanting to we played those songs as covers and just it was emulating the energy. Mm. It was the energy that got and for me um, really I, I, I wasn't a singer. I was more of a shouter, mm. but it was it's just fun. It was like just and there's. Obviously, there's this pop thing going on too, and I guess pop poppers, and we sort of can see that more now with the passage of time. But at the heart of a lot of really great punk music is is this is this pop song ideal, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, short, sharp, you know, catchy. You you listen to um, Stiff Little Fingers, yeah, yeah. and they are classic pop songs. Yeah, yeah, Buzzcocks. Alternative Ulster. Yeah, yeah. Alternative Ulster. You know, all those songs. Yeah, Buzzcocks too. I mean, yeah, yeah, Pete Shelley. I mean, classic pop songwriter. But they're they're dressed up in, in nasty guitars yes. and fast. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but the, the arrangement, even the Sex Pistols, like pretty vacant. It's a classic pop song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you listen to the arrangement. You know, it's it's just got it's it's the same discipline. Yeah, yeah. But 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 you know, with 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 noisy guitars and yeah, and, yeah. and for us at the time, that was just so um, so compelling. Yeah. And that's what we that's for me just and also just actually hearing and it's to be honest, it still is being in a room with a live guitar amp. Mm. You know, going grang mm. and and a drum kit live. Mm. It's just um, it's it's electric. You know, it's it's inspiring. It's just. But it's, we, were you writing poems? I guess before you were writing songs. No, not yeah. at all. No, it was. I just I just started. You moved into poetry through lyric yeah. writing. Yeah, and like for me, like the um, the lyric writing thing is like really grafting words into. The way we were doing it at the time, and to a degree I still do, is sort of grafting words into a a, a, a melodic sort of structure, or a, a, the parameters are set by the mood of the melody, if you like. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of writing for that. Whether you know, say a ballad like "Shield Yourself," you know, I mean that's that's. You know, that's a sort of that's a ballad, and it's, mm. it's melancholy. You know, so you can't write some. You know, you got to write the words. We'll come up with something that will sort of suit that thing. So for me, that was a, a restriction, mm. and the whole poem thing was like a whole. It's just the freedom to chase uh, words out of self-conscious corners mm. without having the, the the parameters of a melody yeah, yeah. Or, a, or a style of, of sound, yeah, to, to fit them into. Yeah. So that's how I sort of developed. Because you end up because I was. You know, I'm thinking you, you guys hit the ground running. I mean, you obviously there's a few years where you're finding yourself and you're doing the covers and working up the repertoire, yeah. but but in a in a fairly short span, you go from that to making records and you put out a book of poems 
I think the same year that you put out a record. Yeah, eighty four. Yeah. yeah. Take the chocolates and run. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's when when I moved to Auckland and I started living on a boat by myself. I had that sort of time, and and it was also um, something that I, I really aspired to. I was reading. You know, I was going to the, to the local libraries and getting out um, Fairburn and those kind of yeah, poets and, yeah. and Sam, you know, yeah. Sam Hunt. And I just really liked the, the conciseness of, mm. of delivering a, a, an emotion mm. succinctly mm. and these guys were just the masters of, you know, mm. Mm. especially like Fairburn, you know, and, and so there's some of those classic writers, um, Baxter and that, and it was just... It was just to me. It was just totally captivating, mm, you know. Yeah. And I just wanted to try to do that. You yeah. know? It was a compulsion, you know? mm, mm. and also also the format, a little thin volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it makes it more precious. It's yes. every, every word is, yeah, is, yeah. is really important. You know, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like distilling it all down. Mm. It's distilling down um, your, your thought patterns to the most concise, mm. um, potent. It's kind of like a, a powdered version of a fizzy drink. It's just <laughs> it's the yeah, you know, it's yeah, the yeah. essence. Yeah. That will, yeah. Yeah. So you have, um, I mean, it's not an easy road for the mockers. You have hit, you have hit singles and you have successful albums and you become known. But there's um, heartbreak and and frustration and sadness dotted throughout. Well, the whole thing was, I mean, the compulsion was, you know, I I was in Wellington and and. We used to play at the Last Resort and the Rock mm. Theatre, and the term, and we'd see these touring bands coming through. Mm. Like in those days, Flight X7, mm. you know, lip service, yep. you know, before they became, before um, they got into DD Smash with Dobbin, mm. and uh, Tectones, lo lots of uh, screaming memes, you know, yeah, yeah. blam blam blam. We'd see these bands coming through, and I'd feel really kind of envious that I wanted to be in a touring band, you mm. know. Mm -hmm. um, but we were kind of we were sort of in Wellington, yeah. and we and they were they were all coming from the infrastructure of Auckland. And they always had there was always this metropolitan rental van mm. that was sitting outside the venue with the PA and the roadies, and it's like it's this travelling circus, which mm. to me was just an ideal that I aspired to. Yeah. So when I finished my degree here, yeah, I we all moved to Auckland, mm. and then it was just it was a, it was a long haul, you know, it was mm. like starting again with top management, but and then it was just those days it was being a pub band, you know, mm. and that pub circuit existed mm. and then we got onto that treadmill which which I really enjoyed it was like I say the travelling circus where yeah, you just yeah. see these six weeks tours you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and those every year, every year yeah. and every night because yeah. you had to because you had so much expense that you were running mm. with mm. you know you were taking the PA and the lights with you and, mm. and three crew you know and so they were all getting paid mm. and the, and but we weren't mm. and then all the debts were, were mounting up and <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of had to we just ignored it you know we were always in debt yeah. So like you kind of the whole thing was economically so fragile, mm. but at the same time we were getting a chance to play live all the time, which was fun, mm. and and also to make records, you mm. know. And it was that was what we wanted to do, mm. but it, it was just fraught with with um, uncertainty, mm. total uncertainty. And the only way to sort of to get over that was to keep going. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like there was, it was at a point we got to, we got to one point where we we were so in debt that you really sort of you couldn't stop yeah, yeah. because there was the benevolence of the <laughs> yes. PA and lighting and the, and yeah. the rental car rental companies yeah. that actually that you know that we'd go and give them a couple of grand after a tour that had gone really mm. badly but at the same time it was built you could see it was actually by putting in that kind of live that's mm. the way it was then putting in those live hours and playing a lot it was slowly building an audience you know? mm, mm. and then it kind of then, then then you had songs that were kind of almost almost popular but weren't mm. Mm. And then when you had a couple that were popular, then it was kind of, it was all on. Yeah, I was going to say, when do you get to this, I mean, clearly the reunion has shown, if nothing else, that you remain a sentimental favourite for, for perhaps more people than you thought Absolutely. might be the case. And uh, so, But is there a moment, or when is the moment, in, in the duration of the band's original run, where you go, shit, we're onto something here, that we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to crack crack on and get bigger you know like we're gonna or is there never, was there never quite a moment? That, that moment well I think the moment was when we okay for me the moment constituted momentum mm. and when we got picked up when we were with Reaction Records Glenn Tucker in Auckland mm. and then RCA Australia took an interest mm. that felt like there was 
real, yeah. real potential. Yeah. And when when they took us over to do the Culprit and the King album at Glebe in in, um, in Sydney, mm. and we and we were there for six weeks, and we had rental cars and per diems, even though it was coming out of our, our, <laughs> yeah, yeah, our yeah. advanced pocket. Yeah, yeah, it didn't feel like that. So we felt... yeah, we sort of we sort of knew it, but <laughs> yeah. we didn't care. Yeah. And, and staying, and they put us up in some cockroach-ridden hotel, which was the band hotel that right. you know everyone cultures yeah, yeah, stay yeah. in. You know, Midnight yeah. Oil. Had its mythology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. made us feel like we were actually yeah, getting you were on somewhere. The same path as yeah, yeah, getting somewhere. Those, yeah, so yeah. that's when it felt the most optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we were doing that. It was when I remember sitting in the in the room when I think Brett was doing some of his guitar tracks and I was watching Live Aid mm. um, and In Excess were playing somewhere and Michael Hutchins was singing out of tune. Yeah. And but it was it was when I mean, that Live Aid uh, sort of that big concert yeah. feed the world thing was going yeah. on. Yeah. That was when we felt the most optimistic. I, I did personally yeah. as, as a band member. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of. And it was, and then we sort of took for a while. You sort of took for '85, it was, and we sort of yeah. took for granted the fact that um, that. Well, we didn't really, take, we didn't really, I didn't really appreciate how well known the band had become, mm. and like we were playing like those. As soon as you start playing police blue light discos, and and lots of schools you kind of you know that you've become mainstream mm-hmm. and, and especially when there's people there you yeah, know yeah yeah and so that was that was gratifying yeah but at the same time it was it was all tinged with this well what's next yeah, yeah. You know? and we all knew like it like it, like we sort of in a way still do that the journey was just beginning mm. what do you do next how you know, you reach that platform and you, you reach that ceiling in new mm. zealand that all the bands did they get popular and then they get overexposed mm. and we got overexposed you mm. know mm. and you just can't keep going to the same towns mm. every, every two months yeah just diminishing returns isn't yeah it? absolutely so. yeah so that that was i knew that ceiling was mm. there and mm. it was really and it's like well, what's next traditionally you go to australia you know mm. um but there had been so many casualties from going to Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I and also to be honest, I thought that we were too light, and our our songwriting sensibility really wasn't wasn't Australian. You know, mm. apart from someone like the Church that we really liked, or the Hula Gurus yeah. that we really liked. But we, we we just weren't that big. It was more British, if anything. Than That's right. Yeah, so yeah. we we weren't that big RSA. Yeah, yeah. You know, pub rock. Thing. No, yeah, yeah. We it was far more of a. Uh, a pop sensibility. Yeah, so it, it just wasn't gonna. I, yeah. I, I thought it just wasn't the right place to go, mm. and that's why we went to England and 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 it just sort of collapsed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> collapsed under the what weight of the weight your of, own expectations in a way. The weight of of everyone um, not everyone moving from a, a situation where we've been busy mm. all the time having something to do playing a lot and you know and and making records writing songs doing demos mm. having making a record and everything happening the way it should happen mm. suddenly we got to England and then it's then you're like you're practicing in a, in a practice room that you pay for mm. with and you can hear the other bands practicing the other bands from Manchester and Leeds and Birmingham next door practicing all trying to get a deal, yeah. and we were trying to get a deal too. Yeah. And then you and you're writing these songs, and it's everything's so hard to do. Mm. Everyone suddenly has to get these different day jobs. Everyone has to live, mm. and, and all your energy gets dissipated. So what do you go and do? What 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 um, what work do you take on board over there? Well, that's what happens. We're like, well, in that respect, um, I kept we we I bought a boat. Yeah. And so our living costs were, were incredibly low, mm. and also in a way I sort of got distracted by enjoying being on a boat yeah. on yeah. the river, you know, yeah. and moving around. And so I was sort of quite happy with that. And I just focused on writing songs, you know, learning, you know, getting better on the guitar and learning new chords and just just writing, writing, writing. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, you know, there was no management, so mm. there was no, there was kind of no. Yeah, and also there was a bit of prejudice against Antipodean bands, to be honest. You know, why sign a local, why sign an Antipodean band when, when there's something good around the corner from Southampton or yeah. wherever they might be? So, yeah. so we were just we were just straight into the melee of new band nights, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and without any kind of real um, s- it, support. It sounds like it was um, bigger than you expected it was. In terms, you know the 
way more competition. It, it was, but it was also that was really inspiring. I, yeah, I think it was yeah. really good for my songwriting. Yeah. I, and also playing live in the UK it was. Um, I went back and did it later in mm. the 90s with mm. Luke. And I just like. I love playing. Like I call it preaching to the unconverted. Mm. I love playing to people that don't know your material. Mm. That Trying to win them over. Yeah, absolutely. You've you got, can kind of see it happen. You've I got. To, you've got yeah. to impress. You know. You've yeah. got. To, so you sort of. You just again. You, that, there's that word distill. You distill your material. Your half-hour mm. set down to the most potent possible, mm. and then you just hammer them. You mm. slam it out there. Mm. And I, in terms of you know playing live, I, I, that was great. Mm. But it didn't really get us anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so where does, I mean, when does the band call it quits and how does that, how, do, how does it sort of, I mean, it strikes me that it all sort of just falls away in a sense. Well, it did. I mean, when, when we, well, see, okay, so when Steve Thorpe died, mm. uh, that sort of, in a lot of respects, knocked the emotional Mm. Uh, lifeblood out of the band yeah. because it had been in a lot of respect, a lot of respect, uh, just a boys' club, mm. like where it was all based on having good times. And he was Keith, uh, sorry, Steve was very much a Keith Moon sort of character, yeah. and that was fun, you know. Mm. And like, mm. it's good to have when you're doing all that touring with not much money, and it's it's good to have that sort of energy around you. Mm. Well, I mm. thought it was, mm. and same with Jeff, you know, and and so when when he died, it kind of like it was like oh. It just changed. It changed the emotional dynamic, you know. So mm. it wasn't sort of so much. It, it just made us all sort of grow up, but also realised that that sort of the stuffing was knocked out of it. Really, mm. the fun was sort of knocked out of it mm. to a degree. And from then on, um, it wasn't what it was for me personally. Yeah. You yeah. know, it wasn't the same kind of because it was a you know death is a serious thing, mm. and. You know, when you're one of your key, especially when the band's popular, when when someone someone stops like that, it's it's you know it's yeah. it just changes the dynamic completely. So really, I I left and went after the Shield Yourself, which was the last single, which mm. was off the Emperor's New Clothes album. You know, I went to England with with the intention of trying to see what could happen, but it wasn't. I went by myself, really. Mm, mm. And then Jeff came over a few months later, and and then Brett, and then we kind of tried to create something new, and then we sort of fell back into a mockers thing, really just playing to expat um, New Zealanders mm. in, that, in that kind of mm. a scene that I don't particularly value, you know. Yeah. Just sort of playing songs for that New Zealanders know, you know, the walkabout and all that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was better than playing to no one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But and Tim went to Australia. Tim made that, that decision as well. That Tim and he has been there ever since. Yes, he has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also the guys, right? Like I said, because we hit that ceiling, mm. and there was really no money in it. Mm. This is the other thing. It's like, mm. you know, suddenly everyone knows who you are. Mm. But but Steve, um, uh, the guys are still they're working at a bar, mm. you know. Um, and 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 Tim was getting off. They were getting off a sort of session. I mean, I think, I think Tim played with, what was that band, um, I've forgotten the name, um, not Peaky Man, it was, they had a big, a big hit, it'll come to me later, mm. <laughs> but anyway, so he was looking at, you know, session playing, yeah, yeah, which he eventually did in Australia very yeah. successfully, yeah, know? yeah, so he wanted to keep, but they all, I think everyone saw the fact that, uh, we can't, this, you know, this, it's it's really unfortunate, but if we if we'd been able to retire, mm. you know, or we had, everyone had a, was comfortable enough to mm. be able to just go away from it for six months and come back and regroup, then um, and write the next album and then and then it, life goes on like it does in the real world. That's mm. that's overpopulated when bands get successful yeah. in Europe. You know, yeah, yeah. you have that luxury. Yeah. But of course, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. So you start work on like Jerusalem and the Blisters album yeah. I, would, was that just a body of work that was just slowly amassing like yeah, just were, through your songwriting? They were all the songs I wrote yeah, when I was living yeah, on the boat yeah. in England and 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 then you come back to New Zealand to record them. Yeah well I started I wanted to do it there but just couldn't get any traction like no deals or so mm. we got pretty close and something fell through which is really unfortunate so it was like well how can I make this happen and the best option was to come back to New Zealand but even that wasn't easy that, that took a couple of years mm. um, to get uh, 
Sony at the time, and, you know, CBS became Sony. Mm. To get them, you know, to, um, to Paul Ellis actually was instrumental in, in, in getting that happen because right. he was the A&R person at the time at, at um, Sony. Mm. And um, so, yeah, and they were just songs that had gestated for a long time with me, Jerusalem, mm. that whole album. Mm. And it was good, it was good, great to get that nailed, you know. I feel like that's, uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure it had some sort of impact at the time, but I feel like that's almost a bit of a lost classic. It's an album that you can hear now. It sounds very, very fresh, you know, like it sounds like something that, that um, I guess you could release now. You know? Well, it was, yeah, when I listen to it, the same, I think the same things on yeah. it, you know, but it's, it, it just that we put, you know, it was a big recording project. Yeah, you know? It was yes. at, done at Revolver mm. when Revolver was before it had been built the big studio. Mm. And it was a downtime deal where we spent months and months on it um, with Nick Morgan and Shona Lang sang on Jerusalem and Debbie mm. Harwood. And, and we put a. We, we, we had the luxury of time, maybe one might say a little bit too much time, right. but we yeah, really yeah. worked those songs, yeah. you know. Those songs got, got they really got again distilled down mm. and so I was really happy with that but it, it didn't get much apart from Jerusalem I mean the singles Jerusalem exciting and now you know mm. they were singles and they got played on some radio stations around New Zealand I still yeah. want you to that was a yeah. uh, that was the first single uh, but lots of you know it's just the way it is so, did songs you, come and go did you tour it like, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. extensively. Yeah. Like, so in the early 90s, I have so some I, memory of that. Yeah, I no, certainly no. remember the, I mean, I remember hearing it when it was released, and I remember the Jerusalem video, and I remember there being like, yeah, pretty healthy promotion around it. Yeah, know? well, that's because yeah. Sony were really trying yeah. For, yeah. For, for, at the time, yeah. And I had a band, well, the band was a collection of, a collection of people that had sort of come to it, mm. some session musicians, some not, mm. just friends who were good players, and then we formed and um. Um, it was Fagan and Swirly World, his name mm -hmm. of the boat. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we, we recorded the unit there, mm. and we played a lot. You know, we had an old ambulance, and, mm. we, and we, we sort of kept it sort of cheap, and we, yeah. had a, we had the vocal PA, and we had the lights, and the big couch on the back of the gear, and mm. we went around the country yeah. quite a few times. Yeah. And, yeah. and we also had Stuart Broughton uh, managing us at the time, who was, who was Super Groove's manager. Mm -hmm. And Stuart was just this dynamo like it was everywhere we went you always two gigs it was a it was set up it was quite exhausting in a record store and, and do do a set and mm. then that night you were playing somewhere else you know? mm, mm. and so we did a lot of playing mm. to support that but it to be honest it wasn't particularly well frequented yeah i think you know the name the mockers everyone knew but just my own surname and face yeah. really well really didn't you know wasn't particularly didn't get much traction but mm. we did all the mountain rocks and those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. strawberry fields that was yeah did, you know yeah and so what happens after that disillusioned in a sense like just again it was looking looking back you know i really came back to new zealand to make that album to take it back to the UK, yeah, yeah. and then we got um, Sony via a, a, an independent. I've forgotten what they were called. In the end, they didn't go with it, but they said, "Yeah, we're going to release it in the UK." So in '95, we went back to the UK with with the essence of Swirly World, which we then changed the name to Lig, mm. and um, and we'd done some a, a bunch of demos or full recordings, and one of them was called Empty. Mm. Which was the single that we did it when we got to England. We we made a 12-inch uh, white label version of that and sent it out optimistically, naively, mm. like like always. You know, yeah. you're always naively optimistic <laughs> yeah. about your, you know, yeah. hoping you'll get some yeah. traction, hoping for the best. Yeah. Yeah. And John Peel picked up on that one, like, and we sent it to him, and he thrashed it. Wow! And suddenly it was like um, we got a booking agent, we got management. Uh, at a total indie level, mm, mm. and we just, as Lig, as the band, we we started playing all the classic, you know, Norwich Arts Centre, Southampton, uh, Manchester, all um, all the get. We got, got some good supports. Uh, we supported uh, Yola Tango, mm. yeah, and at, at the not, not the Mean Fiddle, something like that. Um, but we got we got playing all the time, mm. and, and and we got on. To, we got onto the um, onto that kind of indie circuit, and as league, you know, and mm. it sort of it was just. And I was at that stage. I was playing guitar as well, where it was like two guitars and bass and, and drums, and and you know, three years went by really mm. doing that. Mm. Um, and that album, 
it came out on Abstract Records, so it was called, it was Lig. It, we, it was part of the Blisters album, but, mm. but also half of it was new material that we'd written. Yeah. That, and, and it was called Bacterial Activity. It was never released in New Zealand, but it's, it's online now. Mm. And, um, and then we worked that for a long time. We sold 55 in Greece. <laughs> the, the video we made, I don't think that's, I haven't got a copy of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nowhere. But um, MTV Europe, the indie, MTV Europe, mm. indie, um, they play, they thrashed it. Mm. That's why we sold 55 albums in Greece without ever going there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it was good. It, yeah. Again, that was optimistic. Yeah, yeah. And, and we thought, but, but there was no record deal yeah. that would pay for the recordings. Yeah. And so we, we, we started recording a lot of material with a friend who um, was a New Zealand engineer who was in, in, a, in, um, in a really upmarket studio in a really upmarket studio in, mm. in, uh, in Chiswick. I forgot what it's called, it was just amazing. Um, and we, we were in there and, and did a whole lot of stuff, but again, there was no kind of, there was no pressure to release and there was no mm. avenue to release, mm. so they just sat on the shelf, you know? And so you're sort of a decade on from the mockers at this point. Yeah. What's your relationship like with the, with the music? Like, are you revisiting those songs? Are you receiving... You know, nice surprise royalties from any of the songs. Talk about now. No, well, in then. the and then, like in the sort nah, of mid it, to late nineties, nah, have you have you got all. anything going on with that music though? Like, Not you, at all. or are you quite removed from it's it? It's gone. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't remotely interested. Yeah, in it because it was in a lot of respects, like I say, you, yeah. you're, you're just moving. You're forward, moving you know? on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't. Um, it it was it was a time. Capsule. Yeah, it yeah. was then. So you're not embarrassed by it, but you're not um, actively seeking to relight it in any way, or, or to you know, no. it's done its thing and yeah. it exists and it that's fine. Just, yeah. it's what, and also, ten years on, yeah. um, there's a lot of people. There's there's no real appetite for it. No. You know, there is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there really Different wasn't. climates. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm asking. I just yeah. sort of wondered where you're at with it yeah. then no. um, versus now, and and even you know, even a few years ago, because. Um, so then you come. So then you come back to New Zealand again. Yeah. Two thousand and two. And the, I guess the next big thing in terms of people knowing about you is is you become one half of a radio uh, on air duo. And we talk to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you become yeah you become one half of a um, you know I guess a, a, a um, quite a long running successful in terms of people being aware of it and it working for a long time. Now, did you enjoy that? Well, that was Kiwi FM, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, so, uh, it, for me, it was a new experience. Mm. You know, I'd never done any, any of that kind of stuff before. It, to be honest, it was paying the bills. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I didn't like the, the whole corporate... It was a, it, to be honest, it was an education yeah. in, in corporate politics, uh, yeah. corporate middle management control, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it was very controversial. Kiwi FM was, um, from my perspective, it, it was, and also from Karen's perspective, it was a very positive thing. It was a, it was a platform mm. for playing mm. 100% New Zealand music, mm. and we saw it as a boutique thing. So it's you know? naively optimistic again, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was also, it's a, it's a boutique thing, mm, you know? Mm. And, and I saw it as the strength was, if someone's overseas and they want to see mm. what's going on in New Zealand... One-stop shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah dip in yep. and you got it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. and I... Yeah. I bit, of, bit of nostalgia, but lots of new things. Yeah, yeah. absolute yeah. new things. Yeah. So I got the brief, it was, I was doing the breakfast show with yeah. Karen, but I, was, I also then became the um, music programmer for yeah. five years. Yeah. So, like, I, I had sort of, in a lot of respects, I sort of put my own material aside because I was swamped by everyone else's. Mm, mm. And, like, I'd just have a pile of CDs every Every week, mm. I was blown away by how much material gets released yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah, trying to just, stay across yeah. things is impossible, well, isn't it? Well, I just became an A and R man, mm. but I had the glorious platform of giving people a chance. Yeah, and I took it really seriously because I've yeah. been on the other side yes. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I really you've got a noble intention. Well, it was totally noble, yeah. and it, and it was really constructive. Yeah, and like the only stations that I found that were that were tracking, were picking up, had the same taste as me with student radio stations. Mm, mm. And they, it was pretty much exactly the same, you know. But, and so that was almost the competition. Mm. But I listened intently to so many things. And I, and, but there was this middle ground between the super alternative and straight 
or mainstream, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a lot of sort of in-between material that that I championed, mm. and that and that I was just shocked. There was so much material that you just wouldn't. You, of course, mm. you still never hear mm. on normal radio mm. because their formats are so tight. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's uh, you know everyone, you name it, yeah, yeah. just the formats are too tight, yeah. and they just don't give people a chance. Even yeah. if the stuff is really good, they're too scared to take a chance, and nothing has changed in 30 mm. years. It was like mm. that in the 80s, and it's still like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is really disappointing. But I had a platform and a chance there, and I took it really. Seriously, and but it sucked the creative life out of me. I didn't yeah, write any. Yeah, yeah. I didn't write any songs. No, and you, when you're surrounded by oh, just listening to other people's music, you don't want to go home and write no. music because you want to. I guess well, there's always music you're supposed to be listening to, but if anything, you want to unpack from it, right? No, you absolutely. Wanna... It's just I was more focused on the boats and <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And and how does the relationship hold up through being on air together? Pretty... I, I, I was going to say like. When I, say, when I say you're one half of it, you've got a pretty experienced person holding your hand to begin with, if you needed it, right? Like that Karen knows what she's doing. So oh, she, absolutely. I mean, I was just a, just a, a helper, really. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, Karen's a professional. Yeah, she's a professional yeah, yeah, broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, she, she does time yeah. checks. She can yeah. count out. She can. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. But no, it was it was um, difficult to be honest. Mm. Um, I think it was more difficult for Karen than for me, uh, with hindsight, the fact that. Um, that I was a bit loose mm. in terms of my approach to it, and she had to keep it, keep the show on the road in a professional yeah. way. Yeah. So it, it it wasn't it wasn't as easy as perhaps it sounded. Yeah, yeah. But you survived it. <laughs> yeah, we survived it. Yeah. We still talk to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You're just not paid to now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I guess that's a nice freedom. Yeah. But you and you, you've managed this thing where you're both writers as well. Like you're both you obviously got several different strings to your bow each but you're both writers how do you are you sympathetic readers for each other or do you completely separate just sit out of it yeah I've got I mean with Karen's last novel uh, uh, I haven't read that yet but I love the, fir the first one yeah well, yeah well the second one's quite different yes but um, March of the Fox, yeah. Fox Clubs yeah. yeah and it was number one yeah like, you know yeah, it yeah. sold really well yeah, yeah. and but that was years of mm. her just in the daytime just going off to the little writing box, mm. and I had no idea what she was doing. Mm. You know, and years went by, and then when I read it, I thought, shit, that's what she's been doing, and good on her, and it's great. Yeah. it's a great yeah. read. You know, yeah. I'm not really a novel person, yeah. but it's just it's really good writing. You know, from the things I've, I've things mm, I have mm, read, mm. but no, no, nowhere. Um, I'm not her critique. I don't. You know, yeah, nothing yeah. to do with it. What about the other way around? Does she check out poems or lyrics of yours, or nah? Just finished no, product. No, it's all just separate entities yeah, yeah. in that respect, completely. Yeah, yeah. It's know. probably the safest way, right? Yeah, and, and <laughs> well, it's it's not necessary. You know, she's mm. she's an independent, autonomous, mm -hmm. creative person. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so am I. And we've it's, there's never really been any crossover there. You know. Yeah, yeah. I guess the best thing you've got there, though, is a, a sympathy for what. And an understanding of what each other might oh, be going yeah. through in terms yeah. of the process. Right? Oh, you want it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to admit, um, always trying to help make the space. Yeah. Yeah, 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 being to, aware of what it takes. Oh, exactly. to, to let them yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Put, have the hours, yeah. and that, especially having brought up children, and yeah. now they're adults. Yeah, you know, young adults. Yeah, um, that was a that was a discipline in itself. You know, yeah, creating yeah, yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. You know, being prepared. Taking turns. Yeah, 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 yeah all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, swimming pools and school yeah, holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in that in that realm now. How old? Yeah, I've got a six-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, well, we've yeah. got a six-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's hard, man. It's a lot of especially school holidays. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it gets. Yeah. Let me say something. It gets easier. Yeah. They, they become more self-autonomous. Yeah, and no, he's pretty. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty good. But yeah, there are those moments where it's like, oh, I've got to go off and do this. Oh, that's actually not going to happen anymore. But, yeah, but with age, they they become more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, Fagan and the people. When do you sort of? I guess you you you, you finish the radio gig. Yeah. That that runs its course, yeah. and you're probably quite pleased to be out of that by the end of it. Well, it and turned into talkback, of course. Yes, like yeah, yeah, that's two, right. That's and it right. It was radio live, and that was that's seven right. years. That was yeah, another yeah. seven years. Yeah, of, so it was a long stint. Of, yeah, it was yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And even though it didn't really seem that long. Yeah, yeah. It just it was. You yeah. Know? It was seven till ten every night for seven mm. years, weekday mm. nights. And talking to people you can't see and don't know, and mm. quite often can't be bothered talking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also having to um, get, keep keep a fix on current affairs. Mm. 
so you don't sound ignorant, so you know mm. what's going on. But I'm not really that interested, you know, in, mm. in the nuances of of local government and you know mm-hmm. and politics you know that yeah. sort of leaves me a bit cold so you have this nice escape when that all finishes is that you can get back to songs well, and two escapes because well, you've that's got what happened, really, boating yeah. as well yeah. you know like. I've still had to earn a living and yeah. you know that was the, you know, still got to make money mm. to, to stay alive so there's always it's a, it's a double-edged sword you know mm. you know but you know radio late radio is lucrative for as long as it lasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that when that finishes, how how sort of soon after that do you, I guess, discover or find that you have time and inclination again for songwriting? Uh, it, it was pretty quick, really. Yeah. It was well. To be yeah. honest, it was suddenly this, you're not surrounded by music, so you've got yeah. time for yours. Well, it's almost yeah. like I, I see it as like it's like a battery. Yeah, so it's like a creative battery that builds up and builds mm. up. Uh, it gets charged up and it has to splurt out mm. and whether that's like poems or songs yeah. it just it's, it goes and finds it, it out it ebbs and yeah. flows yeah. and when you, when you don't do it for a long time mm. it, the sort of energy builds up and then it all sort of splurts out mm. and happens mm. and that, that sort of coinc- well, it doesn't really coincide with leaving um, Radio Live Talkback but it, it coincided with getting well, my new occupation which is second mate watchkeeper on a small cargo ship and what happens there is that we go out into the Pacific for seven weeks at a time this has been the last couple of years mm. and when I'm off watch you're just totally isolated there's no distractions uh, there's nothing going on where, where um, you know you've got the normal kind of things at home walking the dog or whatever mm, mm. there's nothing going on and you're and you're the freedom is that it's, it's quite amazing mm. and so i've just veered into this thing where i've got a a laptop program ableton you know which is yeah, standard yeah, sort of yeah, you know yeah. a lot of electronic music made up on that but it's it's and i've got a little um digital analog box converter for my guitar and my vocals and my mm. mic and and so i've just started writing songs on the book Profuse, yeah. Mm. It's, all, it's all just come out. I've, yeah, got, yeah. I've got two albums worth from, yeah. the, from the last t- year, yeah. you know, and it's been brilliant. And it's just yeah. been, it's like, I think, where have these songs come from? You know, I don't even, I, all I have to do is sit there and it just mm. happens. Mm. It's just sort of been coming out. So, so um, in April, when I get back from this next little voyage, which I actually, which has only been interrupted by this right, yeah, <laughs> one week, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going back on Monday back, right. to, back to Tahiti, Mangareva. Um, up there. When I get back, um, then we've got some recording time booked, and we're turning the writing demos into the band. You know. So we've got the band. The band is is a wonderful kind of uh, fluid thing where. Every, but this is Fagan and the people. Yeah. So the, so yeah. we've got Darren Harkness, who's in New Telepathics, yeah. um, and uh, Loud Ghost, and yeah. and Darren's. I've been playing with him for almost 10 years now right. so he plays keyboards and guitar yeah. he's also got his own studio so yeah. so we'll be recording with him and, his, mm. and Ronnie Growler who's in Show Me Where It Hurts yeah. he's a drummer and Kurt of course, yeah. Kurt Shanks is, is ex-stellar yeah. and Delete Delete and we just sort of come together and, and they're all such good players mm. so well, here's the song and it just goes at next level so yeah, yeah. we're going to be doing recording we've already got a few in the bag mm. but we'll be recording some in april because you did that ep i guess it was a, f- we did a handful ancestor. yeah yeah a yeah. handful of years ago now yeah it was three three or three years yeah yeah and i mean that was fantastic it was a good song yeah yeah that that song in particular but yeah it was good well, it was, yeah. well that's I mean, we got some we I've, you know i've had the time to work on the songs mm. And again, it's a, I think um, as I've got older, the editing process is really important. Mm. It's like it's the same with writing poems or whatever. Mm. You, 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 you splurt it out, and then you go away from it, and I and for maybe a month. So you actually for, I forget what I've done. Mm. I, I can't even remember any of it. And then I come back, listen to it, and go, as with fresh ears, like listening to someone else's mm. material. And you go, oh, mm. that's I like that, or I don't like that, you know. And and it's kind of it's that just having distance from your own material, yeah. and so I've been I've gotten to that habit now, and so I think we've got we've got you know 15 good songs for this next album, Act Normal and yeah. and uh, yeah. And will there be new? I guess that answers the question. But will there be new music under the Mocker's name? Or you don't I don't think th- so. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, I think you're just serving the memory of that by playing the songs yeah, that existed from that time. Yeah, frame. I mean yeah, the, yeah. the Mocker's thing is is it's, is it's a great authentic 
ret- yeah. retro experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, and in a lot of respects, I think it's, we're doing it better with with Chris O'Connor from yeah, Penis Foundation play. playing yeah. drums. I think he's 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 <clears> interpreting he's the songs yeah. uh, just the way they should have been yeah. in uh, to start with. Yeah, yeah. But but because in a lot of respects, I think we were kind of handicapped by just producers yeah, yeah, and yeah. the times. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Because they just they just live songs you yeah, know? they're just yeah. a proper band songs yeah. but they were never to me <clears throat> they were never kind of done like that it was yeah. almost too meddled with in a production sense but that was the 80s you know so 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 no I think um, I'm not I know that Gareth has still got lots of songs and and but but in terms of playing together it's it's just not possible yeah. to bring everyone together yeah. you know and I don't think it's for what I'm doing now things have changed you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm quite comfortable working with, with these guys you know with, with the people can we um, change tack quickly for a second um, pardon the pun and talk a bit more about the sea and boats in your life because yeah. it's come up a, a couple of times Absolutely. and I feel like we could have a whole separate conversation on that but but when do you discover I guess the ocean and an interest in being on it and with it and boating. Well, when I was 12, I was living in Island Bay, Wellington. I used to go to Rangatau, you know, then I started going to Rangatau College. Mm. Um, but we always see the sea, you know, out mm. past the island um, from up the top of the garden. And I just, and I saw sailing boats, I thought, Gee, I don't know, I was just drawn to it. Mm. And then I went over to Evans Bay Yacht Club and just hung around and, and sort of got it, got got immersed in it and started sort of sailing the normal classes, P classes and, and starting sort of the racing and all that sort of stuff. But it was hard, Wellington's mean with the, you know, the wind, mm-hmm. you know. It was, it, it was enough, I sort of got into it, but it was enough to put you off, just the amount of capsizing and coldness and always mm. the windy days days that were too windy to sail mm. compared to places like Auckland which is far more forgiving you know in terms mm. of the wind but I got I persevered and got into it um, and then I at the same time was reading all these books in the, from the library like um, Sheila in the Wind Adrian Hayter who a New Zealander who sailed took seven years to get from England to Westport mm. you know Johnny Ray South Sea Vagabonds going up to the islands in a boat that he built in his front yard, you know, and an alarm clock with, that was, you know, soaked in oil and whatnot, mm. you know, um, just just all that, all that sort of pioneering, and and the solo sailing, and it was something I just aspired to, really, mm. naturally, you know. And then when I moved to Auckland with the band in 1982, 81, 82, uh, I. It was it was an obvious choice to live on a boat, because I saw Auckland was tidal, was mudflats. Mm. Whereas Wellington, it's, it's not. It's the, when the tide's in and out, there's always there's no mudflats. Mm. Mm. But it was up there, you can just, you know, when the tide goes out, you can walk around your boat. You know. Mm, mm. So I bought a little twin keel boat to live on, and I didn't really want to live in a in a flat or anything. And so, and and that for me, that was the beginning of actually getting into keelers, as they're called. Yeah, yeah. And then starting to do little voyages you know by myself to Waiheke Island and mm. just little short trips mm. that you couldn't do in Wellington because if, mm. you, if you're going to go any, anywhere out of Wellington Harbour it's so dangerous Cook Straits yeah, so yeah. scary yeah, yeah. and if you're going to go to the Marble Sounds you've really got to have it all together you yeah, know? you've yeah. got to have all your bits you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. whereas in Auckland it's so forgiving because it's just benign yeah, in terms yeah, of the, yeah. and there's close little islands and bays where and if the tide you know if you really get stuck you can drive it up on the mud flat and walk around it and dig the anchor in, you know. Yeah, yeah. So kind of, and so I, I always aspired to that kind of thing, and and that was an, an easy place to do it. Mm, mm. Just kind of go, it's sort of you know, step by step. Yeah. But I always wanted to sail offshore by myself. I've read all the solo sailing books, and that to me was was the ultimate. Yeah. And then I got to do it. Then I found the right boat, the one I've got now. It's really well I've had, I've had since, she's thirty five years, uh, and. I did my first trip up to Kermitic Islands in 86 by myself. It was 10 days there, 13 days back. Mm. And the sextant too, that was before GPS. Mm. And I did the whole, you know, taught myself to navigate with a sextant and found it <laughs> and found my way back, yeah, you know. Yeah. But it, and really liked it. That was mm. the other thing. I mean, it was, it was, I'd read all the books. I knew what to expect. Yeah, yeah. And I got it. Yeah. Um, but I actually liked it, you know. Mm. And, and from then on, I've just sort of, when I can fit it in, Yes, yeah. and it's hard to fit it in. You know, you've really got to organise your time to go away by yourself, completely independently, offshore. Um, 
you never know the duration of a voyage is completely random mm. depending on what you get with the wind you know mm, mm. and so in 95 94 i did the solo tasman race which was something that i'd also grown up and cut all the articles out of the magazines mm. that race has been going since uh 1970, and they sail from, there's one next year, they sail from New Plymouth to Maloolaba, just north of Brisbane, yep. 1,200 miles. I just I wanted to do it, you know, I'd read all that, to me it was just the most amazing mm. thing to, to have a go at as a sailor by yep. yourself, you yep. know, and I did that in 94 in Swirly World, and, and that was the smallest boat to have ever done it, and then I sailed it back six months later, and then in 2007, my next big trip was going around New Zealand, I mean, I I went to go to the Auckland Islands basically because mm. I read all the shipwreck histories, shock, yeah, yeah. shocking place. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, if I had forty grand, I would have probably got on a to what to throw away. Mm. You know, I would have got on a, one of the cruise ships that go to yeah, the Southern yeah. Antarctic Islands, but but I didn't. So and also it was just I knew that there's, there's precedents there. There's you know, Jerry Clark who sailed a twenty-one foot boat down there in 1974. Mm. You know, if, if you're prepared to take your chances and suffer. You know, it's an endurance sailing, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's endurance sailing. But I, I actually, the thought of it now sort of scares me a bit. But, was, when, you, but when you do it, yeah, it's, it's... I don't know, this is just an obvious and naive thing to say, but I, I, having only been on, you know, boats as a, as a passenger, um, but it, it strikes me that solo sailing is both um, an incredible test and a release around sort of your mental health oh. it's really good for you but it's obviously such a huge challenge absolutely it's it's kind of uh it you get to know what you're capable of get to know, know yourself yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, and what you can endure no one else to blame you know yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're totally responsible for yes. your own welfare yeah yeah yeah. And look, just excuse yeah, me, yeah, I yeah. think these guys are probably calling yes, me about sound check. Yeah, yeah, I'll cool. just see if I've got a problem here. Yeah, cool. What time is it? It's oh, no, it's five. five. No, we're fine, it's right. Um, well, we'll get, we can wrap up in a minute anyway. But, um, I, I, so, yeah, I just know, I no. mean, I just know that the, oh, I, think, I think just about anyone who knows you knows that the boating motif is, you well, know, is exactly that, a motif in your life, well, a theme just, of your... Well, it's, you know, it's, it's just like... To me, it's the most exciting thing you can do. At the moment, I'm trying to raise finance to sail the boat around the world. You know? mm-hmm. But I think, like, ultimately, I'd love to have done that. It's really well. I mean, but I know it's about 14 months. I've, I've done all the. Well, I've been out on this little container, yeah. little ship. I've, yeah. I've, um, I've done all the. I've written all Calculations the, everything. And, yeah, yeah. I've, the sign of the year, <laughs> yeah. durations. Every every little store, every toothbrush, every yeah. everything I need, yeah. I've done all that, and I've worked out how much it costs, and I can't afford to do it unless mm. I get sponsorship or something, you know. Mm. But I'd love to just go out and just keep going, yeah, yeah, you know, because I know that it's it's a little bit scary, but I know that when I'm immersed in it and doing it, I've really enjoyed it. It feels like almost the exact opposite thing to be doing than being up on the stage yeah, I guess it is, <laughs> saying look at me yeah. listen to my look song at me, look at me. here's my hour yeah, you know, yeah, my, uh, here, here I am in my hour of need yeah, you yeah. know in a way it's kind of the complete antidote to that well, well it is but it, but I don't know that's just um, something that I aspire to <laughs> is I enjoy you know being a band's fun you know mm, it's mm. just showing off's fun mm. you know it's just something that I've always done mm. but with a I think with a sense of humour I think it's really important too it's not not precious about it you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. especially now the good thing playing with these guys again is that we know it's a finite experience yeah yeah you know i mean you might there might be another one down the road yeah. who knows or it might, might never and there's happen. no and there's no curveballs right i mean there's always there's always an element of surprise with technical difficulties or yeah. whatever there's always the potential for yeah. that but you guys know what you're going to play and you largely yeah. know how it's going to be received yeah well and that's yeah. got to be quite um pleasing quite it's, it's gratifying <laughs> yeah gratifying it's, it's fun quite encouraging and, it, and it, to me it's and yeah. after all these years yeah it's also surprising well it's it's, of, it's, it's, it's sort of earned though as well isn't well, it, it, it well it's a, earns a good word but it also kind of brings it it makes me realize that it's a part of me that i spent a lot of years doing mm. but then i just sort of cut it off yeah yeah because i just yeah because i wanted to to be writing songs but mm. that was that was just a progression from the mockers mm. you know mm. and i did and mm. i still am but at the same time there's nothing now or i can see now there's nothing wrong with revisiting it in its in that context mm. especially when people enjoy it 
which, like I say, surprises, you know, it's taken me by surprise. Yeah. The amount of enjoyment that people get from it. Mm. You know, people bringing up all those records and, and I didn't realise that it actually made such an impression mm. on people. And also, I didn't, I took for granted at the time in the 80s how many gigs we played and how many people we played to. Mm. You get people in Wellington saying, well, I remember we saw you at the Upper Hut, you know, the Petoni Town Hall or the, you know, Upper Hut yeah, convent, yeah. you know, and, and you played at our tighter school ball and, then, and I remember all those gigs. Yeah, yeah. You know, in a way. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Even though it was the same thing <laughs> yeah. that you were doing. Yes. That you were d- every night. Yeah, yeah. But the places were, yeah. were and it was... And again, we took it for granted. Yeah, you know? anything that was by rote to you it's just like, was life-changing for someone in the audience, potentially, yeah, which well, is pretty cool to, to then think about, well, isn't it? Well, it's funny, because so. there was a guy last night in Tauranga where he was um, said, oh, I saw oh, um, Putaruru. Mm. Putaruru? Yeah. Putaruru. Yeah, <laughs> we were laughing at how you pronounce it. Mm. But he was he was 10. He saw us play in the Putaruru, <laughs> Putaruru Town Hall, you know? Yeah. And, and that made a big impression on him. He knows he didn't he, even know they had a town hall. Yeah, they did. Ah, <laughs> and they still do. Still do. But but um, he knew all the words better than me, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, so and you're in, you're enjoying this new boating job, apart from that it's given you a bit of a chance to practice rock, songwriting. Well, it's been a huge learning curve. Like it's it's what I call industrial strength boating. Mm, mm. You know, it's rusty. It's because I was going to say it sounds like you've you've been a largely self-taught. Oh yeah, yeah, this is the, this and is this is this is a merchant navy. Yes, yeah, yeah, shirt. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And but it's yeah. good. Like yeah. it's it's uh, again, it's a bit like being in a band where you know we have we we take cargo to an island mm. and there's a beginning, middle, and end. Like mm. you load it, the cargo, you make sure it's not going to get washed overboard. Yeah. And then you go to a place, you deliver it, and yeah. then you come back. It's like like a band, you know, you get in the. It's kind of like you've gone back to basic training after. Avoiding it, for, you know, for all these yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really, I'm really, I'm really doing something that I should have been doing in my twenties. By yeah. now, by now, I'll be a master marine offshore foreign going because <laughs> <laughs> that's the way they all seem to. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everyone does tickets and gets better and things, but, but no, it's it's uh, it's just another, it's another way to be on the water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's you're still on the water. And in a, in a lot of respects, I think you get quite soft compared to sailing in a little boat and mm. being thrown around. You got to cook. Mm. <laughs> and people forget that if you, I think, that if you're not Neil Finn or Lord, then you've got to earn some dollars too, right? Which well, is right. what, you, what you've sort of said the whole way through. Well, like, that's right. I mean, that, everything's been tempted. Your creativity yeah. is tempered by yeah. having to stay alive yeah. financially, yeah. Yeah. which in a lot of respects is unfortunate. It would have been great, you know, if. If uh, Forever Tuesday Morning meant that you had a yeah, global yeah, yeah. a global audience yeah. forever, yeah. you know, and and all all I had to do was go out and play a, a string of summer concerts, yeah, 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 yeah. or Paul McCartney getting getting three pounds a minute from from songs being played on the radio globally, you know. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked out that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it sounds like you've got a pretty busy year though. Like, if you're going to go and make a a Fagan record and and Am I right? You're going to do the opening for John Cooper Clark. Absolutely. So yeah. you're going to do that as a, are you going to do some poems? Uh, that's just it's, poems. You're just going to be doing yeah, reading, right? Yeah. And that's a nice um, return to your kind of to the you know punk roots that have informed. Oh yeah, looking yeah. really looking forward to doing that, and also yeah. having a chance to do my poems in a performance yeah. environment. You know, because yeah. I've done it. Because I was going to say, when's the last time you did that? Oh, it would have been twenty odd years ago. It would have been probably ten years ago. Yeah, when, right. When my last book came out, which was. Well, when I say book, my last slim volume yeah, yeah. of poems, yeah. slim on purpose. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was overnight downpour. Yeah, and that was with Headworks and mm-hmm. Mark, Mark Pirri. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like so, I, I did some readings for that. Mm. But this will be fun because he's such a consummate professional, you know. Mm. And it's an environment where I can do, you know, it's you're not, you haven't got the security blanket of music. Mm, yeah, which, which is very yeah. easy. Yeah, you know when when you yeah. hope they've got the power of a band. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's easy being on stage. It's very different when you're by yourself and and you just. Um, but also com- coming off in a way, I guess there's some aspect of preparation that that Fagan and the people and Mocker shows over the last few years have given you in terms of you know 
performing, being yeah, in front of true. people. It's a completely different type of performance, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but you're still, oh, yeah. there is some match fitness you've picked up from match, performing. That's a great word there, so I'm match fit. <laughs> I'll, I'll be match fit. I'll be, I'll be doing my training on, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. on the boat, on my off watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my own little cabin. Uh, well, I'm really looking forward to that, because I've, I mean, I've, I've missed John Cooper Clark a couple of times that he's been out yeah. in the last few years for different reasons, and but I hear he's fantastic still. I mean, I've, I, yeah, you know, I've only seen this. him online, but yeah. yeah, but no, he'll be great to watch, you know, and yeah. I'll and I'll do my best. Wow, well, what a and what a what a yeah, what a good good bunch of different things happening this year. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's great, you know, yeah. and it's um it's it's active, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's your plan from here on out to just keep? Finding an outlet for some music, some writing, and stay on the waves when you can, stay on the ocean when you can. I guess it's steady as she goes, yeah. really. You know, I mean, it's great. I think I've got this balance going on personally, where I can. It's I, I find you know coming up with new material is is the lifeblood of any mm. of anything. You know, it's it's the future, but it's mm. the lifeblood of any band. Mm. You know, you've got to have. You've got to have new stuff, otherwise if you just keep going over your own same old stuff, it becomes stale and you don't you don't sort of have the same passion for it. So with working on the ship at the moment, I've, I've managed to build up this body of new songs. Mm. So recording those that they'll take that'll take a new shape, you know. That, that's 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 gonna keep me occupied for the next year, you know. Yeah, and it's 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 early days and I guess I should probably really ask her, but how's Karen enjoying being Back on the radio in the new gig. I don't really know. You don't know yet. I've, I've <laughs> heard it. Yeah. I've heard it. Like on the, we've got um, single side band. Yeah. And we can get we can get the radio station. Yeah. Out there, like it's quite perverse. Like I'm, I can yeah. be three thousand miles away and hear yeah. a show. Yeah, yeah. With the time difference, we're like we're about three hours ahead. Yeah. So when she's on at ten o'clock, I'm listening at about one or something. You know. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I don't know. We haven't had that conversation yet. Right. I haven't, haven't even. Wow. I, I literally got in from Tahiti yesterday morning. Right. Ah, okay. So, oh, well, yeah, so interesting year for both of you. Yeah, on yeah. it goes. Yeah, great. Hey, thanks heaps. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Good on you. This is the final thing. There's no more that I can bring. Take what you will from the string. Please send us out to play. This will be our darkest day. The truth is alone and bad. No one is safe to say. The skeptics are out for revenge. Well, they're on the rampage. The sisters are coming of age. And we try to teach the dead to breathe. The heartless fools are never pleased. We try to teach the lame to swim. But down they go. No hope for them now. And I. Shut up.